It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Hey, rose friends. We're currently in a series chatting about types of roses that we don't hear much about these days. And today, Matt Douglas of High Country Roses is here to talk about one of his favorite groups, the hybrid musk roses. Hey, Matt, welcome back to Rose Chat. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me back. I, I appreciate the chance to get to talk to all your, uh, your listeners and uh, dive into an interesting uh, subject with uh, hybrid musk roses here. Well, before we drive, dive into hybrid musk, let's talk about the weather. So how's spring going in Colorado? Uh, crazy as always. Uh, so, you know, we're like, I think we had a little snow here in mid-April and then it's 80 and then it's, you know, all the things that you, you like about spring. You never know quite what you're going to get around here. Well, we even had hail, and I thought of you guys in Colorado because we had we had a real crazy start. I'm covering and covering, but I think we've settled down to some good 70 degree at least for a week. We, we've got some good stuff coming, and I hope you do too. Oh yeah, well you know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how that garden of yours is looking, and in particular that rose you keep sending me pictures of, Gislaine de Feligond. <laughs> Well, the, well, the, the climbers took a hit in our winter. We had two things going on. We had deer damage and we had um, some late uh, cra- crazy freezes, as a lot of the country did. So um, um, Ghislaine made it better than most. She's still up and over. But uh, New Dawn was back to the ground. Even Peggy oh, wow. Martin took a big hit. So the garden's going to look a little different. We're trying to think of it as a refresh. You know, a lot right. of our roses went back to the ground, um, and but they're looking fantastic. So I'm trying to look on the bright side and say, oh, it's a good garden refresh. And, you know, actually it is. So, uh, but most of our climbers took a major hit. But Ghislaine and Velschenblau didn't take a hit at all. So (laughs) even the deer didn't like her. So anyway, so it's never never perfect, is it? It's always important to be optimistic. So uh, you're you're in good hands there, it seems like. Yes, I am. And both Velschenblau and uh, Ghislaine de Villagon came from your garden center. So, so, yeah, we love those high country roses here. (laughs) Well, thank you. Well, I love seeing what your garden looks like. It's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. We, we love it here. So let's talk about these hybrid musks that you love. I know. You gave me an assignment and I was excited because <laughs> it gave me a chance to uh, dust off a few of the old classic rose books. You know, uh, uh, Dr. Campbell, who founded our nursery, uh, he loved roses, but he might have loved rose books more than he loved roses. And uh <laughs> He left quite a library, <clears throat> so uh, so uh, he left it to my sister. And honestly, uh, my sister's husband keeps sticking a few more books in the car every time I go to visit them. So uh, <laughs> you're going to get uh, your fair share over time, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, he's happy to pass it along. But you know, it is just it's it's so interesting. It's such a wealth of information in those in these you know just 
old books from the fifties and earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, it's just interesting uh, to see uh, what some of these old, some of these hybridizers were just thinking about and what their opinions of roses were. And so, you know, just digging in, I, uh, I, you know, I got into David Austin's book and was looking up what he was saying about hybrid musks. And, and you know, frankly, he didn't really have much to say about them. He didn't think it was, uh, you know, uh, that the traits were not something that he was particularly, particularly looking for in his roses. Um, he acknowledged that they made nice landscape shrubs and things like that. But you can see in his roses where, you know, the hybrid musk class has got a lot of like multi-blooming, you know, a little bit mm -hmm. single and semi-double in the bloom. Some of them certainly more petals, but, but, you know, you can see kind of the disconnect there where that wouldn't be something he was looking to put into his roses, you know, and then I flipped into uh, uh, Wilhelm Kord's book, uh, you know, and you can see there where the Kord's family was like really excited about uh hybrid musk roses and in fact you know one of the most uh, iconic roses has got hybrid musk parentage uh you know the rose iceberg actually oh, was bred yeah. from um and we're going to get into it more but the rose robin hood which is one of the first hybrid musks so i i was really interested to see that connection and uh you know interesting how things kind of evolve through history Absolutely. In fact, you mentioned Robin Hood, and I don't think I'd ever seen that rose in person, but it was actually on the winner's table at the um, at the rose show. I was just at, at the American Rose Center in Shreveport. So I'd never seen oh. it in person, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And you know what? And, and honestly, I think just amazing pictures I've, I see of it all the time. Every time it's Robin Hood, it's something gigantic, and it's just literally covered from end to end. Uh, just in those like cherry red blooms. It's, it mm -hmm. is, it is a magnificent rose. Mm -hmm. So, so the history of the hybrid, mo ro uh, hybrid musk rose class though is, is interesting. It, it came into existence in the late 1900s uh, through the hybridizing efforts of uh, the Reverend Joseph Pemberton, who is uh, a famous hybridizer in, in rose uh, history and, and certainly the fact that this class was developed primarily by his efforts. So he was born in 1852 and served as an Anglican minister for about 30 years before he retired and started a, a, a job as a rose hybridizer and started his own nursery that was open to the public. And I, I read where they were doing 30 or 40,000 roses a year back then. Uh, I mean, that's, that, that's a big nursery and that's a, that's a big second act after you've been a minister for, for 30 years. Hey, he's a guy after your own heart, all those roses. <laughs> yeah. Well, the kind of the connections, uh, you know, got a little deeper too. And that he's, you know, he really got into roses through his parents and his grandparents. Um, you know, his father would take him to rose shows and, uh, you know, I, I, I was, uh, yeah, you know, I did more than my fair share of time at a rose show too, and uh, you know that really is where, you know, the proverbial hook was set for for him as a rose lover, and and uh, he became an exhibitor and a very successful exhibitor in in England, and uh, you know became involved with the the Royal National Rose Society and eventually became the president of the Royal National Rose Society. 
all that. And he, he really just found a love for hybridizing roses. And uh, this class, the, the hybrid must class, you know, really belongs to, to his efforts. And uh, it's an interesting class and it, it's classified as a modern rose, but I think you'll agree with me. A lot of the characteristics and habits of these roses are, are really owe a lot to old garden roses. They're, they're almost more similar in a lot of ways to old garden roses uh, than they are some of the ones we think of just offhand as modern roses. Absolutely. You know, anytime you can give me an arching cane, something that's going to be <laughs> rapey in my garden, you know, that's just charm to me. And um, there's just so many attributes about these roses that all rose growers want to know about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, frankly, the class at this point kind of runs the gamut. There's large and small plants. But when you think of hybrid must generally, you think of large plants, typically, mm-hmm. almost climbing roses. I know we we sell a lot of our hybrid musts interchangeably as climbing roses. And, and you're right, they do have that kind of arching habit. They're great for, uh, they can be great for climbing up walls and, and covering arches and uh and uh, and boy, do they uh, they really put on a show with the blooms. Uh, I know you grow a couple of them. You see mm-hmm. that. You were talking mm-hmm. about that with Robin Hood. It's it's like a blanket of color. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And I was it last year or two years ago? We put up a new, uh, last year we put up a new privacy fence, and I immediately contacted you and said, okay. What am I going to put on this fence to soften the look? And, you know, and you said, oh, yes, we're going to do, um, let's see, what was the one that you sent that we decided on? Uh, Darlow's Darlow's Enigma. Now, that sounds uh, like something I would do. I recommend that rose a lot. (laughs) Last year, it was tiny. It's growing very well this year, but it was tiny, but it bloomed. It sent out these cute little sprays of blooms all summer long. Yeah. yeah. It just bloomed. That little tiny thing bloomed its heart out. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it, that rose in particular is so interesting. Uh, it, you know, and Darlow's Enigma uh, is, uh, it's actually a found rose by Mark Darlow out, uh, out in Oregon, uh, like about 25 years ago. And has just just really worked its way in as a mainstay, at least at our nursery. I mean, we do, you know, several hundred plants of it a year and, and it's so versatile and it's just one that, you know, it'll take shade. I had one growing between two trees and I mean, it was still 10 feet tall up on my roof and uh, it was, I I was training it to kind of uh, picture frame a window uh, it was, it, you know, it's just a very versatile rose and it can be grown as a climber, you know, at the Denver Botanic Gardens here, they've got them over these arches and they make just the most lovely, uh, walkway and, and yeah, they, they cover that fence too. Mm-hmm. You know, great Can't roses. Wait. Cannot wait. But there's so many attributes that you hear with this class too, like rebloom because the exactly. little one that I had bloomed all summer and shade tolerant, when you mentioned that, you know, people, I, I, I get that question constantly, but mm-hmm. I have shade. Now, my garden used to be an extremely sunny garden, but those little trees that I planted grew up mm-hmm. and they got really big and they're doing their job very well. And now I'm searching for sun or shade tolerant plant. So mm-hmm. that is something we hear a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they they do well. 
you know, uh, some of the other varieties that we'll talk about, you know, like ballerina in particular is one that, that you know, does fantastic in shade. Um, Darlow's does well and will climb, climb, it'll, it'll just climb till it finds the sunshine it wants, I think, but. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, but yeah, they're great. And then, you know, of course, the other thing you always think about uh, is the scent on these roses. Mm-hmm. And, and as a group, you know, they are definitely known for their uh, for their strong, strong scent and kind of that uh, uh, musky, uh, as you would expect from the name. <laughs> Very fragrant. And I'm finding very disease resistance too. Yeah. You know, I I think that is definitely true. You know, I, you know, every once in a while we'd get a little bit of maybe a touch of black spot on a, on, on a Darlow's Enigma, but um, you know, my personal philosophy there is you just kind of, you know, as long as it's not taking over the garden, that's not going to be the end of the world. And uh, it drops a few, a few of its leaves, (laughs) but keeps on, keeps on trucking and, you know, regrows and boy, strong plants. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, you had mentioned David Austin and hybrid musk. I have to, I have to point out a fact that I, one of the, I have Francis E. Lester in my garden. Oh, and, yeah. one, mm-hmm. and one of the, when I was making that decision to get that rose and I made that decision based on the fact that I found his book, my friend, the rose, which absolutely is a great read. Um, this man truly, truly loved Rose, and we could spend hours talking mm-hmm. about him. But I wanted the Rose that bore his name, and what convinced me was a picture I saw on the David Austin website. It's the prettiest picture of Francis E. Lester that I had ever seen. Mm. It was absolutely glorious. And I think it's probably still in the garden. I don't know that they sell it anymore, but I actually purchased that hybrid musk from David Austin. So that was just funny that, that what you were saying about it, but anyway, it just is amazing. Well, I think he liked the roses. I just don't Mm -hmm. think they had a lot of, a lot to offer his hybridizing efforts, I think is the primary. So Teresa, the origins of the hybrid musk class are really, really kind of interesting. And, and frankly, they're a little bit murky, which, which I think makes them more interesting. (laughs) So, you know, from the name hybrid musk, you would really assume that the the plants are directly related from the musk roses, you know, and Rosa moschata, um, you know, which is a famous species rose. And, And while that link is present, interestingly enough, it is not really a foundation of the genetics of these plants. So the link really comes through uh, kind of the back door through a group of roses called the Noisette roses, which are old garden roses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that brings a little of that hybrid musk or a little bit of the musk rose. And that's where we find a lot of the scent and some of those characteristics. So the group actually has more in common with multiflora roses. And, and, uh, and that is really where Reverend Pemberton sort of founded the class he uh, he really had a systematic breeding uh, breeding program that he used using the rose triere, which uh, is is the basis of all of these roses that he developed. He crossed triere with uh, with a bunch of early hybrid teas, and and the results were several of the roses uh, that we carry and they're still popular today. Some of uh, Reverend Pemberton's 
famous roses or the rose Penelope and the rose Robin Hood that we were talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then his work, really many, many of the, the hybrid musts that we know and still enjoy today uh, were released after his death. And uh, in his nursery, some of his protégés, uh, Jack and Ann Bentall in particular, uh, continued his work and, um, you know, some more really common roses that you know, Ballerina, mm-hmm. Buff Beauty, mm. uh, even the Fairy, which is classified as a polyantha, but has uh, has some very interesting similarities, all come from the class. Mm. So interesting. There's just so many beautiful ones. Penelope, oh my goodness. Mm, I know. We, if we grew, you know, a hundred of those, we'd sell every last one of them. It just is a little finicky sometimes getting going. So it makes you work for that one. For it sure. does. It makes me work for it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, one of the things that I had read oh, some time ago, and it struck me as a grandmother because um, one of the things I think Pemberton was known for saying is that he was trying to create grandmother roses so and I'm thinking you know sometimes mothers get credit sometimes people want to be just like their mothers but so often you hear from someone well my grandmother did this you know um in our family uh, Greg's grandmother was the big gardener and he you know appreciates uh, what I do because of what she did and it's a great uh, story for our family but so often as a grandmother, you're thinking, oh, you know, the legacy you leave behind. But Pemberton said he turned to rose breeding to create the grandmother rose. So I love well, that. That's fantastic. We have the same thing in our family. Dr. Campbell would always talk about his grandmother's roses and wanting, that's really where his interest in roses came in, was trying to grow roses like his grandmother in a more difficult climate. And then my mother uh, she uh, just was in love with her grandmother's roses. So you're on to something. It's it's grandmotherly <laughs> roses. They're, they're important for all of us. See, yeah, that's just a, it's a nice little bonus for us grandmothers. It is. <laughs> so how do we grow these beauties? How do we, how do we grow them? How do we care for them? Teresa, we grow them my favorite way. You put them in the ground and just let them do whatever they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> you love to be able to say that you know people talk about the divas and there are divas and some of them are worth it but um to have roses in your garden that just do their thing so we don't really want to trim them very much either do we yeah definitely you know in you know with our roses i always you know we're selling smaller plants and they you know they put on size so really for the first three years we suggest just dead and damaged material at pruning uh and you know that would extend with this class of roses well into the roses life really Mm -hmm. you know uh we extend it to say uh dead damaged and in the way yeah i love that perfect because i was just thinking yes you know, there are some that they really could take over the, the world beautifully and we let them go as far as they can, but they won't be damaged by us trimming them back so that no, they don't no. get and, in the way. And, you know, to be honest, a good renewal prune every, you know, three or four years is probably great for them. You know, when you take out about a third of the bush, it encourages new growth. It encourages and gives space for new canes to grow. Just helps with the overall health of the rose. 
And especially with some of the larger shrubs, it can be a little daunting. Um, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like all the roses are that big, because certainly oh, no. there's some of the hybrid musks that are, um, you know, smaller. But, you know, you get something like a Darla's Enigma or like a Will's Scarlet, you know, they can get they can get really big. And, you know, they just uh, you, you do just kind of need to kind of thin them a bit uh, when they're at maturity. Mm-hmm. Good, good point. Good point. Um, yeah, they'll just show off their blooms a little better, I think. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it encourages blooming. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, OK, now now for the hard part. What are your favorite ones? Well, you know, I think I've uh, I've hyped Darlow's Enigma up about as much as I possibly can. So <laughs> we, we know that one's great. Um, you know, uh, there's a there's a wonderful hybrid musk called Sally Holmes, and uh, and I was I, we've always had this rose. I hadn't really grown it in my yard, and I was finally turned on to it by a local rosari- rosarian here named Dave Ingram. Uh, who had planted two on either side of uh, either side of his entryway, and they got to be this just beautiful rounded shrub about six feet tall, and just just uh, you know framed that entryway perfectly. And he said that he just loved that rose so much because when it blooms, it blooms in bouquets. And he is not kidding. I mean, you can cut a piece of that rose out and stick it in the vase and you've got an instant bouquet. So, um, you know, that rose is just phenomenal. Sally Holmes is, uh, is one that just really knows how to put on a show, shall we say. I'm looking at a picture of her right now. I've got a list of them and she's stunning. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure David have you over to, uh, to see his garden. (laughs) Oh man. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, I think ballerina is another great one that I would suggest for people. It's one that stays a little bit smaller. You know, it's, it's a little bit more of a compact grower. The flowers on it are single. uh, And just when the whole thing is, is blooming and trusses, it just really, it, it just really is a nice show. And so that's one that you can kind of fit in just about anywhere. And then, you know, one of the roses that's, uh, that we've only had in our, our collection for probably five or six years is Guerlain de Moore. Uh, and oh my goodness, I, I really sell that one more as a climbing rose. Um, but it is technically a hybrid musk and man alive, it's, it's going to be right up there with your Ghislaine de Felagon covering buildings and mm-hmm. just, uh, just being beautiful. So, so, you know, those are a few of my favorites, you know, oh, one more that I, I am, it would be remiss if I didn't say something about is uh, it's another found rose. And this class does seem to have a lot of, of found roses in it, but uh, we do a rose called Christian J uh, and it is a, it is a found rose that is crossed with uh, the parentage is, is, is heavily Darlow's Enigma, but it's also something a lot smaller. <laughs> so interestingly enough, it's about a four foot shrub. And instead of the white flowers, like you would see on Darlow's Enigma, it's got this just magnificently purple color to it. Wow. So it is, uh, it is just, uh, it is just a dynamite little, little garden shrub. 
And uh, and that rose was found by another Rosarian friend of ours, Carol Macon. And oh. Good after her son. So, oh, love uh, Carol and yeah, her garden. Yeah, grief. I yeah. love oh, her garden. Her about her garden, right? Yeah, we talked about her garden. And um, the thing that I remember most about her garden after I got past how beautiful the roses were was the picture that she sent me with the bears playing in oh, her garden. Yeah. I thought, well, you're not in Indiana yeah. any longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Colorado has bears. Adventure down there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's really neat. I'll have to go look that one up for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it's probably one we need to get into your yard, honestly. Yes, I think so. Well, I think we've covered these beautiful, beautiful hybrid musk roses. Now, the last time you were here, we did another thing with you. And since you see so many roses coming in and out, that you told us about some of the new roses that you're seeing that you're that are catching your attention. So we're going to have you do that again. Yeah, so, absolutely. Share some of those um, new ones. You know, it's it's a great time to be in the rose business. I, I think the hybridizers these days have really got a good feel for for uh, you know what's what people are looking for uh, in terms of ease of growing, in terms of bloom shape and style, and you know, prolific and scent, you know, it's all across the board. Uh, so, you know, two of the big introductions we've had this year were, well, Top Cream is a fantastic uh, introduction from Meland. Uh, and it is just a hybrid tea that is packed with petals and just beautiful, creamy, <laughs> off-white. Uh, goodness, it is, it's really been nice in the greenhouse. I'm looking forward to getting it into, uh, uh, getting it into my yard. And, and of course the big thing with it is it has got a fantastic scent on it as oh, well. Good, so, good. uh, so if you're looking for hybrid teas, that's a great way to go. And then the other great release is a rose called raspberry cupcake, which mm -hmm. has been fun. It is also hybrid tea, but this one's from Cortez and uh again heavy on the fragrance nice easy grower so uh that one has also been doing great and and uh we just got a bunch of those plants back in stock so if you missed out on the first time uh they will definitely be back here in june and we're excited about that but the rose that i'm really excited to introduce this year teresa do you want to say what it is oh Yes, you want to you're, say you're gonna do that. Oh, we're gonna <laughs> talk about it. Oh, what color is it? Well, it's just this lovely peach color. Uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 not large. It's petite. It's petite peach. <laughs> oh yes, you know what a gift. Um, for those of you who haven't heard, I've been telling everybody, so you probably have heard somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, I can't quit talking about it. I appreciate petite that. Peach. Yeah. Petite Peach um, came to me as a sport on one of my very favorite roses by Dr. Slezak called Petite Pink. So I have about nine Petite Pinks. And um, four years ago, one of them decided to give me stems of this peach rose. And that's called a sport. And in botany, sport is just a chance genetic mutation. So um, I called David, I said, Petite Pink is doing something different and it's very beautiful. So, um, oh, and to quote another friend, Gary Bachman, he said to me that finding a sport in your garden is like finding a unicorn. 
So, um, and that's true. I've never found one before, but it is a beautiful little peach shrub and we've had it in testing and working on a patent and all of those fun things for the last four years. And then while I was in Shreveport at the American Rose Society convention, I learned, I received um, the award for, um, it's called the Award of Excellence. It's an award mm -hmm. program from ARS that's been around since 1973, I think. Petite Peach won, and she not only won, but she won in the no spray class. Yeah, see? So, <laughs> so I decided that who best to release this beautiful little shrub than Matt from High Country Roses. So that's where you'll find it. Yeah. So, and we so are so excited to have it. It's just, uh, <laughs> it's so, so wonderful of you to have, uh, to have looped us in on this. I know we got the, we got the cutting material kind of late last year and feverishly got it into the, into cuttings and into plants. And so we had kind of a limited release this year, but, but man, are we, uh, we'll be working hard on this one for hopefully a little bit in the fall and, uh, and then in next spring as well. But boy, what a beautiful little rose and what a find, what a find. I know it's so great. And we're hearing from people who are testing it all over the country that it's mm -hmm. done really well. So that's really good news. And they've had some time with it. But, you know, with a sport, God does all the hard work. I'm just yeah. grateful for the gift, and I'm glad to be yeah. this little Rose's mama. So thank yeah. you for having it out there. And if you're looking for it, would like to have it in your garden, you can go to highcountryroses.com. That's right. Yep. And at this point, they should sign up for a notification when it comes back in stock. So just go to the, go to the product page for Petite Peach. Uh, select a pot size, then a little box will open up and you can enter your email and we'll, uh, we'll let you know when we have them back in stock. That's just great. Thanks, Matt. Now, before oh, we close, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> before we close, I want you to tell a little about, about the history of high country roses and the plants that you grow and send out. Well, it's funny you say that. I was just telling somebody yesterday, I think this rose growing thing is going to stick in my family because I got <laughs> my, I got two of my three kids working the nursery here this, uh, this summer. So, uh, so both Noah and Grace are, uh, you know, earning a little gas money and, uh, in, uh, taking care of the roses. So, uh, we'll, we'll see whether it sticks, but, uh, but yes, high country roses is, uh, is, uh, is a family business and, We've been around since 1970. My stepfather started the business then. And uh, like I alluded to, he kind of had a, uh, a love for roses inspired by his, his grandmother. And uh, living in Colorado Springs, Colorado, he uh, grew incredibly frustrated with the fact that he couldn't grow beautiful roses, just like his grandmother in a little better climate. And uh, so, and also being a, a scientist at heart, he uh, attacked the problem through research and just really learned about a lot of old garden roses and hardy roses and, and things that would do well here, here in Colorado. And the, the business started as kind of a plant trading business and, uh, and grew from there. And then, uh, 
you know so uh throughout uh we were we had like just the straight catalog where they you would mail in your check and get a, and get a <laughs> for a while and then uh we were definitely more local for a while and then uh uh, I was uh, I was duly conscripted when Dr. Campbell uh, married my mother uh, in the 80s, and so as a teenager, like my children, uh, I uh, I grew strong forearms carrying plants around. So, <laughs> another thing that uh, I want you to talk a little bit about is that um, we did a show recently on many miniatures and mini floras. And, um, oh, yeah. we talked about how, you know, some of them are getting harder to get. And, but at high country roses, there's quite a few minis for sale and tell us why that is. Oh, well, yes. My mother was in her own right, quite the rosarium and was involved with, uh, the American Rose Society and Denver Rose Society and, uh, really any rose society she could find she was involved with but uh but one of her great great friends in the world was a man named Ralph Moore who I'm sure most of your listeners <laughs> would at least passingly know and uh Ralph is uh I kind of refer to him as the godfather of of miniature roses uh you know there's, cert- there's certainly others in that category but at least in my mind he's the man that I think of when I think of of miniature roses and he and my mother struck up a, a, a fast friendship, and my mom loved miniature roses. Uh, she would go to the national conventions and wear this this button that I still have that says uh, says equal rights for miniatures. So, uh, <laughs> given the it. given the time frame and the political situation, I'm, I think it was a pretty good joke. So, <laughs> so well, probably yeah, as a reason. Oh, go ahead. Prob- Probably as a result of her campaign, miniatures got their own rose shows there. They were having their own conventions. So it very well um, could be. That... It grew. It, she definitely, you know, spread the word. So well done, her. Yeah. So their their friendship though uh, kind of culminated uh, with uh, Ralph uh, named a rose after her, the the Linda Campbell rose. And I always say I'm contractually obligated to grow that one. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic rose. Ironically, it's a, uh, it's a hybrid Rogosa rose. So not a miniature. So a beautiful one at that though. Oh yeah. It's a fantastic rose, but uh, you know, you would have figured some sort of mini in there somehow, but, uh, but no, it was uh, such a, such a lovely tribute to my mom and their friendship and, uh, and uh, you know, so, so yes, I, uh, any chance I get to collect one of Ralph's, uh, Ralph's varieties, I, I definitely take it. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about the plants that you send out and how you recommend we care for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we are an own root rose nursery. So we grow all of our roses, uh, from, from vegetative cuttings. So in other words, we induce rooting. And then we grow those plants out in one quart or five inch pots. Uh, the plants are typically about a year old. So we send them out. They're, um, you know, smaller than you would find at kind of the, the local nursery. But it's really a great size for getting in the ground and they, they grow quickly. So um, um, and they, they grow quickly at that size and, uh, and really take off in your yard. Well, I have a lot of roses in my garden that have come from high country roses, and I call them small but mighty. So don't be afraid of <laughs> their size at yes. all. <laughs> they 
they will, yeah, I have earth angel for, you know, in a year, I couldn't believe how big she got. And now mm. she is absolutely fantastic. You know, you've seen Ghislaine and Velshenblau, these roses that come in these tiny pots and then boom, they're covering. So, so it's a very healthy addition to the garden. Absolutely. So. Thank you for that. We, you know, we, we do about 40,000 plants a year at that size. And uh, it, it is, it is a good, healthy way to go. And, fill your yard up and uh, hopefully for a little bit more, make it makes things a little bit more affordable and you can put a few more roses in your yard. And, uh, and, you know, we certainly stand by them. We guarantee them for a full year. And, you know, I always say my motto is happy growing. <laughs> my motto is happy people growing roses is, uh, is the answer to a successful business. So we want you growing roses and uh, and uh, we're happy to to get you there. I've never lost a one of them. So so, um, Matt, we just appreciate so much what you do at High Country to bring us all these great roses, and we just appreciate you coming today to talk about roses. Well, absolutely. You know me. Anytime you ask, I'm I'm happy to come <laughs> on. <laughs> it's so fun to have you. So thanks so much for joining me today, and um, just have a wonderful spring. And you too. And enjoy those roses. I will. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today too. Until next time, we want you to have fun in the garden. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.